What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. I am your host, Movie Mike Distro, and today we are talking about this list that came out of the highest paid actors right now and how much they made for one single movie. So I want to go through that list and also break down what I think is a movie role they should have made a lot more money on. The comparison between these two is pretty surprising to see for these A-list stars, so we'll get into that. Also do a movie review for a new comedy on Hulu called Vacation Friends. And then a full breakdown of the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, which came out last week and has a lot of people buzzing on the possibilities of this Marvel movie. So we'll get into all that. Appreciate you guys for being subscribed and listening every single week to the podcast. Without any further ado, let's get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Variety put together this list, and it's all the biggest movie stars right now and the ones that are making the most for one single movie. And I've been hanging on to this list for a minute now, and what I wanted to do is compare what they made on some of the movies that I thought were one of their best movies, movies they should have made a lot more money on and compare it to what they are making now. When it comes to what actors make for movies, I think sometimes it's easy to say like, how are they making this much money to go and act in a movie? Like they're way overpaid. And I think there are a couple things to consider into what goes into an actor's salary and why they make so much money. So I do think it's a bit justified, a lot justified, one, you're paying for what that actor can deliver on screen. You have this movie, you have this idea, and you want an actor who's going to be able to bring this story to life in ways that no other actor could. And I think everybody on this list is exactly that. They are people who can probably only deliver 
this kind of performance and either the movie was written with them in mind or later down the line they couldn't get the person they wanted so they went with the other person who was just as good either way these are all movies with very high budgets and they need that a-list star to really make it all come together and then the other factor to consider is what actor is going to get the most eyeballs on this movie and it's a little bit different now because streaming and box office numbers are kind of all skewed together now before it was like what actor could you put into a movie to get the most people to go out and actually spend their money to see them on screen now it's streaming and netflix they're shelling out a lot more money to get these big names but there's no real intention of like all right we're gonna make this movie pay you a lot of money and then hopes that you make a lot at the box office there is no box office for these netflix movies so it's more so they are able to entice these actors and offer them a lot more for the normal theatrical releases. And you'll see the ones actually making the most now are the ones able to get those deals with Netflix. So there's a lot of money to be made on streaming for actors. In most cases, there's not a whole lot for them to make on the back end, which we'll talk about later too. Sometimes actors will take a lesser salary for a movie with the promise of getting some money from ticket sales on the back end. Most cases with streaming, they get paid their X amount of dollars and that's it. The movie comes out. They've been given their money and there's nothing else to earn from that. So all those things go into consideration. We'll get into what they are making for these movies that have some already come out and others coming out within the next couple years. And then the movie I think is my favorite of each of these actors and movies I think they should have made a lot more money on. So let's get right into this list, starting with number 10. Ryan Gosling has the 10th highest salary right now, bringing in $20 million for The Gray Man, which is a movie on Netflix coming out. And I think Ryan Gosling is a fantastic actor, and he's very particular in the roles that he takes on. He doesn't do a whole lot of movies. He's not one of these actors who puts out a movie a year. And from what I've seen in interviews and stories about him, he's just very particular on what kind of role he takes on. He has to kind of believe in the project. And I don't think I've ever seen a bad Ryan Gosling movie, probably for that reason. But my favorite of his of all time is a movie I've talked about on this podcast several times. And if you haven't watched it at this point, well, I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're never going to watch it, but it's a movie from 2011 called Drive, where he plays a Hollywood stuntman who also moonlights as a getaway driver for criminals. First of all, one of the best premises of a movie that I can just say in one sentence, and you automatically know what it's about. But his performance in that is so ominous and mysterious and he plays it so perfectly well that I think he should have made a lot more money on that movie. It was a bit of a lower budget movie and one that I believe now really just has like a cult following. I include myself into that cult. But I just think overall it's just the perfect movie from start to finish and what he should have just made a lot more money on. He only made $1.5 million for that role. So $1.5 million back in 2011, fast forward 10 years later, and he's making $20 million for one role, which I believe now is pretty much the kind of baseline salary for an A-list star. $20 million is usually what they make like at the bottom line. If it's an A-list star, they're going to be in a movie to lead. They're making about $20 million. So, so it's crazy to see that $20 million still is at number 10 on the list, so... Like I said, streaming is changing the way and the amount of money that actors are making. So let's get into number nine, which goes to Sandra Bullock, who is also making $20 million for The Lost City of D, which is coming out on Netflix on April 15th, 2022. And by now, Sandra Bullock is a household name. And when it comes to Netflix, I really believe she's had the biggest Netflix hit 
when it comes to movies. And I was just saying this the other day that Netflix really hasn't had a hit movie in a while, but also not even a hit TV series. It's getting really competitive out there. But back when Bird Box came out, that is a movie that I remember everybody watched over holiday break when it came out. And it was a movie that everybody talked about. Whether you loved or hated it, you probably watched that movie on Netflix. You saw all the memes. It was just such a big movie that Netflix really hasn't recreated with anything they've released so far. And they've come at it pretty strong this year with releasing a brand new movie every single week. But I don't think they've had a major hit that that many households have seen. And they kind of skew their numbers here and there of you really only have to watch a few minutes of it to count as a household watching it. But I think back when Bird Box came out is the last time Netflix really shined and made a movie that everybody wanted to watch. But she also already made a lot of money for that movie. So that's not the movie I picked for her. I went back to her role in Speed, where she only made $500,000, which she wasn't a major movie star when that movie came out. I just still think that's crazy to me. Meanwhile, Keanu Reeves, the star of the movie, made $1.2 million. Granted, he was a bigger name at the time. But I feel like without her in that movie, it still wouldn't have been as big a hit. So I would go back and reward her the money for that one. So $500,000, I don't think was enough for her role in that movie. I'm glad she's making a lot more money now. At number eight on the highest paid is Julia Roberts, another Netflix movie. This one's called Leave the World Behind, and that's coming out next year in 2022. She made $25 million for that movie. And at one point, Julia Roberts was the highest paid actress in the world. From the 1990s to the early 2000s, she was just the highest paid actress. You have Julia Roberts in a movie, you know it's going to make a lot of money, but you got to pay her. And I've admitted before, I'm not the biggest Julia Roberts fan. I like a few of her movies here and there, but if she's in something, it doesn't really entice me to go and watch the movie. But I'm not going to sit here and deny how big of a movie star and how famous she is. And I think for one of her most iconic roles, and my favorite movie of hers, would be Pretty Woman. Came out back in 1990, and her fee for that movie was only $300,000. And she went from that in 1990, like I said, and went on to be the highest paid actress in the world. Later in 2003, she ended up making $25 million for her role in Mona Lisa Smile. And she now has a net worth of $250 million. So I think she's doing pretty well for herself. I can really see Julia Roberts going places, still making $25 million for a movie. So she doesn't need my fandom. She doesn't need me to support her in any way. She's doing just fine. She could crush me with her bank account. So my opinion does not matter to her. At number seven on the list is Jennifer Lawrence, another Netflix movie. We're seeing a trend here. Netflix is paying out the money. She's in a movie called Don't Look Up, which comes out later this year on December 10th. A movie I'm really excited for. It has a super star-studded cast. So maybe they'll finally get that big hit I was talking about that they were missing earlier. And she made $25 million for this movie. Jennifer Lawrence at one point was my favorite actress, but I don't think she's been anything I love since probably Passengers that came out in 2016. But a movie I think she should have made a lot more money on was her breakout role in Winter's Bone. She was only paid $3,000 per week. Now, she had only done really TV before this. She had like one movie prior to this role. So granted, as a brand new actress, very young, very green, she's not going to make a lot of money. And it's a pretty low budget movie. But nonetheless, $3,000 per week. And the movie took 24 days to film. So she made about $12,000, give or take. But where that pays off is she ended up getting a nomination for Best Actress. She didn't end up winning, 
but it really kind of put her on the map and was able to get more work for having that role. And having something like that so early on is great for an actor. And although she didn't win that year, she did end up winning Best Actress for her portrayal of Tiffany in Silver Linings Playbook later in 2012. And she then became the world's highest paid actress in 2015 and 2016, her movies making over $6 billion worldwide. So also did pretty well for herself. And number six on the list is Mark Wahlberg. And he got paid $30 million from Netflix for Spencer Confidential. Now, I watched that movie. I enjoyed it. thought it was all right. I like Mark Wahlberg. I think I watched it mainly because they were teasing it as Post Malone had like a bigger role in that movie. And I'm a huge Post Malone fan. And I was a little let down as it was basically a glorified cameo. But nonetheless, I watched that movie. Did not think Mark Wahlberg was worth $30 million in that movie. I like him in action movies, which he does a lot of. But I also like the funny, comedic Mark Wahlberg probably the best. Followed by the more dramatic Mark Wahlberg, which I think he can do actually really well. And also overall, I just think Mark Wahlberg makes pretty good business decisions when it comes to what movies he wants to make. And he's been a pretty well-off actor for a very long time. So I thought it was a little bit hard for me to find a movie that I thought he should have made more money on. But I went back to his role in Boogie Nights, which he was only paid $1 million for. Which if you're not familiar with Boogie Nights, it's actually on Netflix right now. It came out in 1997, though, and it's about the adult film industry in Los Angeles in the 70s. And he was already a pretty big movie star at the time when this movie came out. He was just famous for being Mark Wahlberg at this point. But I think this movie really kind of elevated his career. And the movie itself did really well. It was nominated for three Oscars. And he made a million dollars for his fifth movie ever, which is really unheard of. So that's where we're at so far. I'm going to get into the top five next. And there's one actor who I'm actually going to put as saying that I think they're overpaid. I don't think they should make any more money than they are currently making now. There's no movie I can pick for them. So we'll do all that next. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. 
Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, let's get into the top five now. At number five is Leonardo DiCaprio. He's also in this movie called Don't Look Up that's coming out on Netflix on December 10th. And he made a little bit more than Jennifer Lawrence, bringing in $30 million for this role. And I would say Leonardo DiCaprio is still one of my top five actors of all time, mainly because he's still making movies that I want to watch. Anytime I see he's putting out a movie, I'm going to watch it. And I would say nine times out of ten, I enjoy it. And he's also an actor who's been making tons and tons of money for decades now at this point. Crazy to think he's had a career that's really just been going on for so long at such a high level, really unheard of. And when you pay this much for Leo, you get what you pay for, as in he's gonna give a performance and really hold nothing back. There was a cool clip I saw on TikTok that's trending again of Leonardo DiCaprio on the set of Wolf of Wall Street. And it's a behind the scenes shot of him getting prepared to film a scene. And he goes from basically having this kind of blank stare on his face to as soon as they say action, he automatically launches into being this character and portraying the scene so well that you just realize he has something in his brain that other people don't. And he is an actor that really becomes the person he is playing and he can turn it on like that was a really cool thing to see. So again, for him, he's been making so much money for so long. I had to go way back to when he was 19 years old and he was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. And this is the only movie I could find that he was underpaid on where he only made $75,000 for this role. But he also got an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. So again, the trade-off when taking a lesser salary, sometimes it's just a project you believe in or one that you know that'll probably have a lot of success with the critics, success at the award shows. So taking a lesser amount to do the role will end up more beneficial because you get invited to the award shows, you get the nominations, and you're able to put that on your resume. And the only way I can really relate to that is for the first couple years of my career, I was an unpaid intern. I did it for two years without making any money, but I learned so much during that time that it's really more valuable than if I was like, hey, I need to make some money doing this. They probably would have been like, mm, I don't think we should have you around then. So there is some benefit and sometimes taking the less amount for the experience and also what you get out of it. At number four on the list is Denzel Washington. He was paid $40 million for the movie The Little Things, which is on HBO Max now. It was supposed to come out in theaters, but it was at the start of this year during the pandemic where movies really weren't coming out yet. So Warner Brothers still paid a lot of money to get Denzel in this movie. And for me, I think Denzel is a little hit or miss these days. But nonetheless, he is such a big name that he is an actor that will get people into the seats to watch his movies. But my favorite movie of his was Training Day. I think just all around a beloved movie by anybody who loves anything Denzel's been in. For me, it's more so even than Remember the Titans. I just think this movie really kind of defines him as an actor. And he went so hard in this movie. 
and only made $12 million. He did not need to go as hard as he did in this movie for that salary. And I think that movie would not have been the same without him. And he definitely deserved more. So that's what I'm going with for Denzel Washington. Moving on now to number three is Will Smith. New movie coming out called King Richard, which is about the Williams sisters and he plays their dad. Seems like a pretty interesting movie. That comes out on November 19th and he made $40 million for that role. And this is another Warner Brothers slash HBO Max movie. And again, Will Smith is another one of those actors who has been making the most for decades now. So I went back to one of his movies, which I think is his best work. And at a point in his career where he was already making like $20 million per movie. So he was already at that top level. But he took a pay cut to make this movie. And the movie is The Pursuit of Happiness. And he did something in this movie that you'll see or maybe read about that other actors did. And in taking less of a salary, he also negotiated a percentage of the film's profits into his contract. So that's what they do sometimes. They're like, all right, I'll take less money, but on the back end, on ticket sales, on DVD sales, sometimes even merch sales, depending on the type of movie, they'll end up making more after the fact that the movie comes out. Maybe it performs better at the box office that they were expecting. And if it goes on to be a really big hit, they'll end up making money probably for life. Kind of what Tom Hanks did for Forrest Gump. He took less to be the star of that movie, but could probably live off what he makes on that movie now. And that movie alone. So I think Will Smith just gave such a powerful performance in this movie. I love the more emotional and dramatic side of his acting career. I think it's just him at his best and deserved way more than $10 million. At number two on the list is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He is making... $50 million for this new Amazon movie called Red One. It's like a holiday adventure movie that's coming out soon. And it's still crazy to me that Dwayne Johnson, I don't even really call him Dwayne Johnson. I call him The Rock because I grew up watching him on wrestling, WWF at the time, which is now WWE. And he was my favorite wrestler. And I remember when he first started doing movies, they would kind of do these little storylines with him like behind the scenes and he'd be working on like the Scorpion King. And at the time, I just thought it was so weird that a wrestler would go and be an actor. I didn't really realize at the time that they were doing a lot of acting on wrestling. I was still a kid. I thought it was all real. So he really kind of set that mold for people like John Cena to go from wrestling to being actors. But he went from being one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid to one of the most profitable movie stars of all time. And a movie I loved of his was a movie back in 2013 called Pain and Gain, which was loosely based on a real story. Also starred Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Mackie, a.k.a. the new Captain America. And it was a movie done by director Michael Bay, who did all the Transformers movies, known for his big action explosion movies. He also did like Bad Boys. And this movie was done for a pretty low budget of $26 million, which is actually very low for an action movie. Now action movies are... Upwards of $200,000, dollars So it was a very kind of stripped down, less explosions type movie. But I really enjoyed this movie and I thought they were all really great in it. And they actually took a pay cut to be able to make this movie for such a low amount of money. Each of the three actors took a pay cut. So The Rock made about one to three million reported. And I just remember The Rock getting super jacked for this movie, kind of like he does for all of his roles now. Because they're all dudes who are like working this big ring that revolves around a gym. So you have to be super jacked up. And I just thought it was a very underrated performance for him. Just an underrated movie in general if you like a good fun action movie. 
and one, I think, in his list of movies that just goes overlooked. So I think he should have made a lot more money for that. But I am glad that they took less money to get that movie made because I really like it. And finally, at number one on the list, the highest paid actor also making $50 million per movie. But the reason they made number one is because they are already guaranteed this for two movies. And it is Daniel Craig, who is making $50 million for each Knives Out 2 and 3, which he was in one. But now they're coming to Netflix and he's already guaranteed that $100 million. So that's why he beat out The Rock. And I like Knives Out. I liked his performance in that. But I gotta say, I think he is an overpaid actor. At $50 million, I don't think that he's worth that. And the role that I found he should have made more money on, I didn't find one. He, I just think he's overpaid. I'm just not a Daniel Craig fan at all. I never really got into him as James Bond. And I don't think it was his performance specifically in Knives Out that really makes me want to watch 2 and 3. I think that whole movie is the ensemble cast. A lot of that comes from the writing too and the overall just mystery of a movie. As you're trying to figure it out as you're watching it. I think that's what made that movie great. I don't think it needs him to make $50 million to make two sequels. But I think this is Netflix scoring the rights to a major movie that people will want to see two sequels to. And they knew they needed to keep him attached to it to keep people thinking that they're getting the same kind of experience from the part one. So I don't really like him as an actor, but I have mad respect for him to make this amount of money and also just really hitting his prime later in his career. I just can't say that he should have earned more for any of his prior roles to me so in my opinion i just think he is overrated and overpriced so that's the top 10 just missing out on that was chris hemsworth who is also making 20 million dollars for thor love and thunder brad pitt is making 20 million dollars for a new movie called bullet train michael b jordan made 15 million dollars for a movie that came out earlier this year on amazon called without remorse tom cruise is making 13 million dollars for top gun maverick and I think that's also him taking a bit of a salary reduction to get that movie made. Keanu Reeves is making between 12 and $14 million for The Matrix 4. Chris Pine is making $11.5 million for the Dungeons & Dragons movie. Look at him making a lot of money. And finally, Robert Pattinson is making $3 million for The Batman. That is right. The Batman, he's only making $3 million. But again, I think a lot of people would want to be Batman and get paid nothing. But that is the list. Hope you enjoyed that breakdown. Come back with a movie review and a breakdown of the Spider-Man trailer. And remember, if you think I'm an idiot on any of this stuff, you can always tweet me at Mike Distro or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.
one. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. How about we get into a movie review now? I want to talk about a new comedy on Hulu called Vacation Friends starring Lil Ray and John Cena. I haven't seen a good comedy in a very long time and I was looking for a laugh saw this movie came out on Friday and I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a chance. So before I get into whether it was funny or not and my thoughts on the movie, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Why does the salt not taste salty? Oh, because it's cocaine. What? We actually brought it from home. Very, very easy if you ever want to try it. It's just a Ziploc and a full shampoo bottle. And it's so much more comfortable than when I had it in my ass. Mm. Okay, look, we just got a container. This only happened because you said see you later. I said it without meaning it like any decent person would. And somehow he's charming my dad. Hope you're comfortable letting him force him. Oh, there's at least one girl involved. So what this movie is about, it's about this couple who goes on vacation to Mexico. The guy played by Lil Ray has the intention of proposing on this trip and it goes a little wrong. And they end up meeting this other couple who is also there on vacation. It's John Cena and his girlfriend. And they are this over-the-top, kind of ditzy, dumb couple doing these ridiculous things like smoking a pipe with marijuana while on a jet ski. Like, that's kind of the comedy of this movie. But they hang out in Mexico, have this crazy week together doing these crazy, ridiculous things without any intention of remaining friends with these people after they get back home. And overall, this movie is just really kind of awkward. It's a little bit cringy, just the relationship that you're kind of watching go down. I found it hard to watch for only those reasons, but that is what the movie was trying to do. It was trying to create these characters that are so ridiculous and so hard to watch that you kind of put yourself into that situation of, hey, if you were on vacation and met these crazy people and decided to hang out with them, would you ever really want them in your life again? So I think they really got John Cena's character down pretty well. And it's so hard to make a comedy right now. And it's harder for me to recommend comedies because I feel like in the last 10 years, we haven't had a great comedy. And even if you go back to comedies from like the mid 2000s, even the 90s, you really couldn't make those kind of comedies again. Some of the things that (laughs) happened in movies and made us laugh at that time, we kind of go back and realize, well, that wasn't actually that funny. One of the major movies I think of is like American Pie. One of the biggest scenes in that movie is probably 
what we now realize was a crime. You can't live stream somebody while they're naked. And that probably wouldn't get made today. So I think it's been harder to make a comedy now because you have to be a little bit more conscious of the jokes you're making with good reason. But what I found interesting about this movie is it kind of took the situation, you know, comedies are in right now and turned it in a way to where the movie only makes fun of itself, which I found was kind of refreshing. They're not making fun of any other people outside of this movie. They're not reaching for jokes about celebrities or anything like that going on in the world. The movie is very self-aware and it kind of knows what it is and it makes fun of itself in, in the way that it's supposed to. It's supposed to be kind of corny, kind of cheesy. But if you go into this movie by turning off your brain and really just letting yourself kind of watch it with the enjoyment of like, I just want to laugh. I do think you'll enjoy this movie. And I'm just going to say the thing I get criticized the most on in my reviews is usually comedies and horror movies. And I think those are the two hardest genres to recommend because somebody can watch a horror movie that I think is scary. And they're like, I didn't find that scary at all. Sometimes you just don't want to be scared or it's cooler to say that that movie didn't scare me at all. In that same way, comedies are hard to recommend because what I find funny, you might not find funny. And sometimes I find little dumb things funny on like the way a certain line is delivered. And other people might not get that joke or they might not find those mannerisms as funny. And I did find myself and I watched it with my wife, Kelsey. We both found ourselves just laughing watching this movie. It was so dumb and ridiculous, but I think it's exactly what we needed right now. Is it the funniest movie I've ever seen? No. Is it the funniest movie I've seen in the last 10 years? Probably not either. But is it a great movie to watch on movie night, Friday night, hanging out? And you don't want to spend two hours watching a movie or you don't want to watch something that you're having to pay attention to every single scene following every single plot line. Yes, I think that is what this movie is made for. And I think maybe because it's on Hulu, it is rated R, but I also feel like Hulu doesn't fully go for it like HBO Max or Netflix. While there is some language in this one, there's no nudity or anything like that. I feel like Hulu kind of holds back when it comes to those things still, even though it's on a streaming service. So I did find it refreshing in that way. I also like the actors. I like Lil Ray, who you may remember from Get Out. I also just saw him in Free Guy, which he was really good in. Probably my favorite part of that movie. And then John Cena, who I've actually seen in a lot of things so far this year. This being like the third thing I've seen him in from The Suicide Squad and F9. And he's doing probably his most goofy comedic role in this movie. Probably most comparable to his role in Daddy's Home. I don't think he's even close to getting on The Rock's level. And I know it kind of sucks that I have to compare him to him. But that's kind of who the standard is for wrestlers turned actors. But I like him. So I just think this is a great date night movie. Probably not one you can watch with the entire family. I would say it kind of borders on the line. It could pass for PG-13. I've seen PG-13 movies these days. They all have sex stuff in them to an extent. There's no nudity, like I said. I guess surprisingly where it did go a little hard on was the drug use, which was unexpected, but it was funny. And I will say when I'm rating this movie, it's on an entirely different scale. There are some movies you just want to turn your brain off maybe eat a snack with, and this category of movies that you just define as popcorn movies, not a whole lot of thought has to go into making them or enjoying them. And I also went into this movie with very low expectations. With everything I've been watching recently, I just kind of always need that buffer of something just funny and mindless. And I think that movie did exactly what I was looking for. So for that, I have to give it 3.5 out of 5 Mexican Vacations. I don't think it's a movie you have to rush and go watch right now. 
And also, if you don't have Hulu, it's not a movie you need to get a subscription for. But if you have Hulu, you're looking for something to watch at home. You're looking for a quick laugh. I do think this one does that job and it's pretty good. And every now and then you just need a movie like this. Let's get into some movie news now. There's really only one story I want to cover and I want to do it pretty in depth. So I want to break down the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that came out about a week ago now. And I've seen so many kind of fan theories about this movie. I've been talking about it now for a while. And we finally got the first official trailer. And people on the internet are basically losing their minds about this. To the point where even I got a little bit annoyed on how much people are analyzing this trailer. But I'll give you my honest thoughts about the trailer. What I think is going to happen in the movie. But if you haven't seen that yet, here's just a little bit of that trailer. And I will say this before I hit play on this trailer. I'm not spoiling anything and giving this review of the trailer. But... Marvel in itself kind of spoiled the last movie because there was a major plot that happened at the end of this movie where this trailer just takes place right after that. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man Far From Home and you haven't seen this trailer and you want to go watch that first, again, Marvel did this. I didn't do it. They spoiled that ending. So if you don't want to hear about that, you can bail out now. But at this point, this new trailer is out. It's everywhere. That plot point has been revealed. So I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything. But to remain a spoiler-free podcast is giving you that heads up that it does ruin that ending. And I guess they did that intentionally. But here it is. When Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering if maybe you could make it so that he never did. Our world is about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Wait, everyone? Can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So MJ's gonna forget about everything we've ever been through? Stop tampering with the spell. Oh my god, Ned, he's my best friend. Oh, my Aunt May should really stop talking. So this movie takes place directly after Spider-Man Far From Home, which revealed in that trailer the identity of Spider-Man as Peter Parker is revealed, and the entire world knows who he is. And what he's trying to do is go back to a time where nobody knew who he was. His identity wasn't revealed, and he goes to Doctor Strange to do this. And in doing this, it kind of messes up the entire world. And what's been talked about for so long leading up to this trailer and leading up to the plot of this movie is that they were going to introduce a multiverse of Spider-Man. So kind of like they did in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, there are all these different Spider-Mans that exist in different worlds. And the rumor has been that Tobey Maguire, who was in the original Spider-Man movies, would come back. And also Andrew Garfield, who was a part of those reboots. And all three Spider-Men would be in this movie. And there's been so much speculation, even more so after the trailer came out, leading to believe that this is actually true, even though nothing has been confirmed. There's been some speculation from some of the actors as far as the people who are in this movie, which I'll get into. But really, it's just people kind of clinging on to that idea. And I don't want to just speculate. I could create the greatest Spider-Man movie by giving these theories. So I'm just looking at the facts based on what's actually in the trailer and also the things you can find in the credited cast list on IMDb. So these are the people actually confirmed for this movie. And just by looking at the credits, there is no Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield credited in this movie. But there are some interesting ones. And I don't think it's beyond Marvel for them to reveal later that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire would be in this. They've been known to change scenes in the trailers to kind of keep that mystery alive. I also just think it would be a, a kind of a bigger thing for them to get people excited about this movie to reveal that, yes, they are in it. 
But again, they probably don't need that right now. It would be more of a kind of triumphant moment for cinema if a week out or just when people go watch it that you find out that they are in the movie. But there are some interesting castings already confirmed for this movie. One being J.K. Simmons, who played Jonah Jameson in the original Spider-Man, is in this movie. You see him in the trailer. So in that sense, it would make sense. They're bringing back somebody from the original Spider-Man into this one who has never been in any of this version of Spider-Man. Could possibly bring back Tobey Maguire. But where it gets more interesting is the villains that you see in this trailer. I'll play a little clip here where you'll hear a laugh from a famous villain and also another villain speaking to Peter Parker. Hello, Peter. So what you heard in that clip was the Green Goblin's laugh, who William Defoe, who played the Green Goblin in the original, is confirmed for this movie. And also Alfred Molina, who played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. You see him on screen here. And the speculation that comes is when you heard him say, Hello, Peter, it shows Tom Holland's character, but people are saying, how would he know that Tom Holland is Spider-Man and not Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man? But also, that's a little bit debunked because it was revealed to the entire world that he's Spider-Man, so of course he would know too. But the claim online is that what Marvel has done is that a deep fake of Tom Holland's face out of what is actually Tobey Maguire's body, and they were able to link this back to a suit that Tobey Maguire wore in Spider-Man, and, and Tom Holland is wearing that exact same suit. And the other interesting part about this is that Jamie Foxx is back as Electro, who was the villain in one of the Spider-Man movies with Andrew Garfield. So that could lean way to Andrew Garfield being in this movie. But what I think is actually happening is they are bringing back all of the villains with the addition of J.K. Simmons as Jonah Jameson, and I just think it's Tom Holland having to fight these villains that we've all seen before. And what I've learned from the plot of seeing this trailer, I don't think it entirely works having two other Spider-Man fighting in this movie. I can see the plot of this movie perfectly sustaining itself without them in it. And I would be really surprised if they actually end up being in the movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it would be amazing. But I just think that's a lot more of a big accomplishment than people think of just putting these two other Spider-Mans in this movie, like who's to say that Tobey Maguire would want to do it, that Andrew Garfield would even want to do this movie anymore. They have since denied claims that they are in this movie. Of course, if they were under contract, they couldn't reveal that. But I just don't think that they would want to go back and portray these roles again. I kind of think they were done with it. And they would have had to pay them a lot of money to be able to do this movie. So I do think people online are getting a little bit too excited and creating this movie that in no way could meet people's expectations of all these theories of like even like Daredevil making an appearance of this as you know the one they created on Netflix. So I could go through and add all these other kind of fan theories of my own that would make this the best movie ever. But I'm just going with what the facts are here on paper, what's been confirmed. And so far, if I had to guess, I don't think they're actually going to be in it. I don't think it really needs them. And as much as I would love to see that happen, I don't think it will. But if it does, I think that moment of all three of them on screen together would be a bigger roar in the theaters than that Avengers scene where they all kind of reunite. I just think that would be amazing to see. It would take a lot to get there. And as Spider-Man being my favorite superhero, I think that would be awesome. I just don't think it's in the cards. 
But all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Before I hop out of here, every single week, I always give a shout out to one of you listening who tweets me or sends me a Facebook message or DMs me on Instagram at Mike Distro. But today I'm going over to the email inbox, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this email is from Rachel in reference to my thoughts on the movie Midsummer, And she says, I got to say, I was looking forward to watching a very scary horror movie film And I hyped this up to my friend because I had not seen it, and we sat down to watch it together. And I gotta say, this movie was not scary in any way. I was totally disappointed with everything in this movie, and I've been a loyal listener from the very beginning. I've watched quite a few of your recommendations, and I just wanted to let you know you're way off key on this one. Still a fan. Just wanted to relay the info, Rachel. And I actually appreciate that feedback. And like I said a few episodes ago, I would much rather get an email like this than a one-star review on Apple Podcasts. And I still stand by my review and thoughts on that movie. And I was kind of talking about earlier that horror and comedy movies are just the hardest to recommend. What I find scary, you might not find scary. And that's okay. Sorry you didn't end up enjoying that movie. But glad you are still listening to the podcast. And what I always say is you won't always agree with all the things I say about movies. And it's alright to disagree. It's alright to watch something and not feel the same way. But that is why we are here and we can still be friends even though we don't agree on things. That's what we're working towards, everybody. But appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being subscribed to the podcast. If you can, tell a friend who also loves movies and you think would enjoy this podcast. And until next week, later. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.